Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall, in the pub, in the tab, in the car. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled and uh, so happy to welcome Kath Mazella. Kath and I have known each other, I think, about 12 years now. And uh, many a time we've uh, sat at a little tiny table, rattling a tin at events, um, supporting one another as the lonely two women (laughs) raising awareness for cancers. I've always been a little bit of a spokesperson for the uh, men's cancers, as uh, Kath knows. But Kath is like an iconic person, well, well and truly known to many, not only in Western Australia, but internationally now. So, Kath, welcome to our podcast. It's a delight to have you. Yeah, no, it's a delight to have you and I working together, Joe. because, uh, you know, we've got so much in common between men and women and it's time to bring it all together. So thank you. Kath, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Where did things begin for you and how did you get to today? Well, I was a busy working mother with three children. I didn't have time to worry about my gynecological health because I left that to my doctors because that's what they're there for, right? Um, Then I had an abnormal pap smear and had my cervix lasered and I thought, oh, wasn't back 27 years ago, we weren't told much at all. And so I thought, well, why did they laser my cervix and how come men don't have to have all this? So, So I got my curiosity going. And then about 18 months later, I found a lump in my my vulva, which is the external genitalia. Everybody needs to learn the difference between a vulva and a vagina. And I had a lump next to my clitoris, which was in the vulva. I went to two GPs and two gynecologists. They said it was common to have lumps there, not to worry about it. And in the end, my mum said to me, it's not normal because she's had breast cancer. So I asked for it to be removed and it turned out to be cancer. 
I had no idea that you would even get cancer of the vulva. I had no idea what lay before me after having my clitoris, vulva and lymph glands removed due to cancer when I noticed the women's groups had nothing on their agenda about gynecological health and yet 27 years later, still very little about gynecological health on the agenda. And I just can't get my head around why we're so powerful and so forthright with, with issue, women's issues, and yet gynecology is still in the dark ages. Wow. Okay, thanks for that, Kath. Do you have anything that you want to ask Melissa initially? Um, yeah, were you, this is just because this is my little obsession, but did anyone tell you when they were taking all of that out what your sexual function was going to be like afterwards? Oh, no, there was no discussion of sexual health, but I remember going to a sexologist after and because my heart was broken, my head was broken, my family was broken and everything was in a mess and all I did was pick up a pen and write and said, and then what happened? And then what happened? And I thought... I need more than somebody just writing this on. I needed somebody to hold me and say, you know, this is very sad. But I understand from a clinical point of view that you don't do that sort of thing. But, you know, <laughs> if you could hear the catastrophic effects of women with vulval health issues, not just cancers, it's a sad and sorry situation how disempowered we still are as women. I see women with vulval cancer and vulva problems all the time and even young women who have vulvodynia and no one knows yeah. what it is and people don't talk about it. So what year was this, Kath? Uh, mine was 1994, but I have to say that I'm saddened because last week there was a funeral of a female lawyer on the East Coast who we were bosom, bosom buddies. No, we were vulva buddies for years <laughs> for years and years to try and help one another and she died and it's like who cares that this woman died a horrific horrific horrible her legs swelled up her vulva swelled up and I know we don't want to hear these awful stories but unless we hear these awful stories how else are we going to get some attention to this this but this horrific gynecological cancer but having said that after my operation I discovered my daughter had polycystic ovaries and endometriosis I had no idea that this is what happened I had no education about these issues and I used to think oh my daughter we all have bad period pain I didn't have the compassion for my daughter and I just look back now and I think my god you know we still there's such a damn long way to go that but you know, people point to the patriotic, patriotic society and sort of say, well, yes, it's them, it's them, it's them. I point the finger back at us as women and I think it's time that we as women stood up and smelled the roses and did something about this. But, you see, it seems to me like there's a lot of issues come from the top, like the United Nations women, and when they stipulate, okay, this is what we're going to deal with, climate change and domestic violence but I will bet you my boots most a lot of those women with domestic violence have gynecological health issues without a doubt so let's have a look where are the men in the picture of these millions of women with gynecological health issues the men are in the dark the men have got no idea that this woman that's you know having issues um and I have to say that 18 months after my 
gynecological cancer, my husband, aged 49, had five bypasses because he had to pick up the pieces and think, what the hell's going on here with our sex life, with our family life, with whatever? Mm. And it's a very sad situation because I'm thinking about that woman lawyer that died last week and I heard what her husband had to go through and he had to clean her vulva out when it got all, you know, I won't describe yeah. it, but I want you to imagine where this man is. He's now at home by himself and what he's had to go through and it's like, Oh, I just can't yeah. accept that this is the way it is. Kat, can I ask you, how old were you? You said your husband was 49 when he had the bypasses. You, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 42. 42. And back to the beginning, you noticed some lumps. The first GP said, um, don't worry about it. Yeah. I myself, I'm going to be honest with you and say I wouldn't have even thought to check myself for lumps. Is this something that you just stumbled across or how? Uh, no, well, it's something you, you would tend to feel, um, you know, you would sort of, you know, when you're cleaning yourself out or when you're having sex, you know, you can feel the lump unless it's raw or inside. But the, the woman that died over East, that lawyer, she had lichen sclerosis. Have you heard of lichen sclerosis? Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of people with that too, yeah. So Jean Hales, I'm the Jean Hales Women's Health Week champion. See, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the champion, one of the champions. And in their website, it states that one in 80 women have lichen sclerosis. One in 80, that's one hell of a lot of women to have this condition. And if it's not treated correctly by the doctor, who might think it's thrush, who might think it's something else, uh, well, then I feel as though there is a whole lot of education that needs to be done with the medical profession, dare I say, to how to, how to tell a medical association to run their business. But I'm on the Women's Voices panel at the Royal College of Australia in New Zealand and also in London for the Women's Voices. So so what I'm saying is very, very valuable, but what's the point in me having 10 awards, aren't I great, aren't I wonderful, but what's the point if the women's organisations don't or won't or can't or too embarrassed to deal with these issues, something's wrong in the womanhood. And, you know, you sort of think, oh, you can't speak out about womanhood, but somebody has to speak out that something's not working and we need to change what's happening out there. So, Kath, when you obviously had this very unsatisfactory consult with this sexologist, and then what did you do to move past this? Like, how did you find answers and help? And also, what would you recommend? Like, most of our listeners are men. And they might notice an unusual lump on their partner's vulva or something like that. And like, what what do you think we all need to know and how can we move forward from this and help people get the help they need? Okay, so we need to know the risks and symptoms, which we'll find on Jean Hale's Women's Health site. But we need to have the conversations. And, you know, we could talk about this in a, in a, a, a you know, an open environment with professionals and with the health consumer and women sharing their stories. That's what's missing out of this is women telling their stories. And um, so it's the knowledge, it's the acceptance, and it's we need to put a bit of humour into gynaecology. God forbid you can't put humour in gynaecology. Well, I'm asking who said you can't? But you Who's... did Eva Lavolva. 
Viva la vulva, exactly. <laughs> and we had the great gynae debate once and we had a professor, um, Professor Ian Hammond speaking on there and Dr. Gabrielle Morrissey, she's a sexologist oh, yes, yes. and um, Dr. Jenny McCloskey, she was a sex, uh, a sexologist, sex, sexual health physician and she walked on the stage with a speculum belt and swinging a speculum oh, belt around and I'm sitting there I didn't know they were doing all this and Ian Hammond had a green glove on his hand he said come on girls get your pap smears and the audience laughed and yeah. it was fun and it was yeah. funny yeah. and um so but what else I'm suggesting that see this quilt that's behind me here uh, my the WA quilters made this quilt and um, I took it to London to show my son when I was over there and my friend who's a sexologist she rang in London and she said Kat bring it into the BBC TV and I thought as if BBC TV is interested in my quilt and gynae and vulva health well within a week I was on Woman's Hour um, on BBC TV talking about vulval health and the Gynae Awareness Day. And and when I see what Eva Peel in England are doing, amazing, amazing stuff. You know, they even had a young girl speaking about the vulva and the vagina and, and a lot of people might say, well, that's wrong. But, you know, I think they see that as a lot of pornography. This is not about pornography. It's about empowerment and it's about understanding and teaching little children that it's okay. We should need to get rid of all the fear and, and the angst that goes with gynecological health. Mm, I agree with you. So I think what we need to do then is educate women that they need to not just check their breasts, but they also need to check their vulvas and their vaginas and anything that's unusual they need to go and talk to their GP about. But also Absolutely. if they don't get a satisfactory answer, they are very entitled to a second opinion or to ask for a referral to a gynaecologist. My sentiments exactly. And because GPs are pretty much in the dark, um, we need to, if you're not satisfied, you need to go to another GP. And a lot of women think, oh, I can't do that. I can't go against my doctor. But but I know that the can I've got the Cancer Australia Award for gynecological cancers, and I know that they are doing a special feature during um, gynecological cancer month in September. So, you know, there there is progress happening, but I want it to happen yesterday. You know, 27 years is a long time to push this card up the hill. But I just want to read this little, I don't know whether this is going to take up too much time, but yeah, cut me on. You just share it. So this woman writes, guess this sums it up, but who cares? It's only a woman. Another sister that vulva cancer killed. Vulva cancer is horrific. The repeated needle sticks, the cutting biopsies into the most tenderest of flesh, the mutilating surgeries, the burning of this tenderest flesh and surrounding skin with radiation, the body wracked by chemo side effects, each precious woman, someone's daughter, sister, mother, grandmother, traumatised by the nightmare life of this cancer. It's aftermath that wrecks on her mind, betrayal of life, emotions, body image, sex life and relationships, the loss of employment, the loss of sexual uh, sexual life, loss of normal life and having to fight through paralysing fear alone going into each doctor's visit. Will there be more needles and biopsies, more bad news? Alone she bears horrific, horrible pain and suffering. 
Where is the sisterhood to help prevent this from happening? Please remember her with kindness. And, you know, that that's exactly how it feels. And, you know, even to expose and open your legs to a gynecologist, it, it's, uh, it's, I don't know how to describe this. I wish I could just get to the real depth of how, how sad and how, how horrific this is. It's bad enough alone, but if society doesn't accept it, well, then it's twice as bad, you know. So. I think, personally, I don't think it's so much that society doesn't accept it because they accept breast cancer. I think it's that society doesn't know about it. So I think it's rather ignorance rather than not wanting to know about it. And yeah. um, I was just looking up the statistics. So 6% of cancers of the female reproductive organs are vulval cancer yeah. and points uh one in 333 women will develop a vulva cancer at some stage in their life. So that's a lot of people. And, you know, I think there was a time many years ago when breast cancer wasn't talked about because nobody knew and now people know about it. And I think mm. maybe it's just about us getting it out there, which we're doing now and, you know, getting the men to be aware that if not just because we teach men that if they feel an unusual lump or something different in their partner's breasts to tell them, mm. Maybe yeah. we need to also teach that about their vulvas and their vaginas and make that just a little bit more obvious and something that we talk about rather yeah. than something that we just don't mention because we don't think of it. And I'd like to add that we do have this area of the body known as the pudenda or pudendal area. And that that nerve distribution that's called S234 literally means nerve of the shame force. Historically, we don't talk about that. No. Men, women, you know, we, it's not a discussion. And so we we tend to miss that area of the body until there's some sort of crisis. Yeah. And it's a bit like men having heart attacks and things like that. Like we, we'll say that men won't talk about anything they want to ask for help until they're waiting in the um, hospital ward for their bypass. But I'm sort of surprised as well to hear you say that you feel that women aren't talking about this because I'm not in your circle, but... I'm always saying I think women talk a lot about these things because we have the benefit of a monthly menstrual cycle where we can tune in and from one month to the next assess how we feel, check it with our sisters, our cousins, our our girlfriends, our mothers. Men don't have that monthly cycle, so they don't have that opportunity yeah. to keep checking. So in your experience, why don't women feel comfortable talking about well, I think we do feel comfortable talking about our sisters and our friends and over a cup of coffee or whatever. But my vision is, if we were to talk about this from a from a you know a higher level, to get the women's organisations to get some funding and and more research, because I know that there's a gynaecological cancer group in Australia that have the diagram of the ovary, cervix, uterus, vagina. And there's no vulva. Mm. So I ask, where? why don't you put the vulva in there because it's a gynecological cancer? And they said they don't get funding for it. So mm. while the women's groups don't talk about these things, well, there is no funding, there is no research, and in the meantime, women are suffering and dying. But I know what you're saying about the word pudendum because I discovered that many years ago because I was trying to get an understanding and it says, the Latin word says, female genitalia, one who should and ought to be ashamed, the shameful part of a woman. So we all call it a vagina. Yeah. 
Mm. And I performed twice at the Vagina Monologues trying to understand why this amazing woman has created this play and I had to sit there and say and hold my vulva and say, my vagina, my vagina. And it just goes against my grain. That we, <laughs> it, It's quite funny that in this day and age that we still call it, I get embarrassed for people that call it a vagina. And they're mostly professional people even. And But I did ask a registrar once. She wanted to check my vagina. And I said, you mean my vulva? She said, no, the whole collection, collective, is the vulva, is the vagina. And I said, well, I tend to disagree. She didn't like me disagreeing with her. <laughs> well, but you I thought, the, the but she, said, she said it's because what society is used to. Well, let's change the way society is used to calling something that it's not so we can help get rid of some of the shame. Mm -hmm. so. I think there's a couple of things that, like if we think about how we can move forward from this and make changes, I think, number one, we could educate kids not just about vaginas. We could actually, you know, we all say to our children, you know, make sure you wash your vagina. Maybe we need to be saying wash your vulva and your vagina. And explain that the vulva is the outside and the vagina is actually just the internal cavity. Absolutely. And then I think also we could educate kids in sex education. We do a lot of sex education at school about penises and testicles and all of those things, but not that much. And a lot about the vagina and having We don't talk about smears. foreskins, clearly. No. Those sorts of and we don't talk about vulva and we don't talk about foreskins. So we could definitely improve our high school education. But I also think... There's an, a fundamental problem of working in primary healthcare as a GP does, and I've done this, is that the time that you are given to see a patient is limited. And so you go in for your pap smear. If you do the pap smear to the letter of how you should have learned to do it, you should always inspect someone's vulva as well. But unfortunately, most people go for a pap smear, they get a speculum put in and a brush whizzed around, and that's the end of it. So I think there's a fundamental issue with our health system that we don't leave GPs enough time to do a proper assessment. And if we I've, improved on that, we yeah. would identify more cancers that we're missing. But furthermore, this is where we need to empower women of the risks and symptoms of vulval cancer because a doctor may not want to go in exploring around the vulva due to litigation, and you've got to understand where the doctor's coming from as well. So it is up to us, like me, I had a lump, I asked if you would check it, and, and women have irritations and they put up with it for a long time because they're afraid to say, can you please check what this, what this irritation is? And you know, sometimes... If we get in early with the like and lichen sclerosis, the treatment, well, then we can help prevent it turning mm. to cancer. But we need platforms to talk about this. Yes. Platforms. This is when I started my PhD, the number one thing was for me to prove evidence. Because at this stage, pelvic floor muscle training in men, for example, was not recommended or could not be recommended by numerous Cochrane, Cochrane reviews where they actually reviewed the previous five years because they were doing the exercise incorrectly. They were focusing on the back passage or the front passage. The information was trying to be translated from women to men and it just really wasn't working. There's some heroes out there of which you are one of them. I learned that I wanted to represent the everyday bloke on the street because he wasn't actually putting his hand up himself. And I learned very quickly that although I needed to boost the research, we needed the stories on the street to be heard. And you're you're doing that beautifully, but there's only one you, Kath. Yeah. Now, 
a couple of years ago, we had a wonderful Irish lady here visit and she did a program, a comedy thing called Laugh Without Leaking, Elaine Miller. Do you know Elaine? She dressed, she dressed up as a vulva. I had dinner with her. She was unbelievably we need funny. To put an SOS out to Elaine to say, time to write another show because she took it worldwide and she actually won um, Adelaide, I think, Festival yeah. Award, like the best talent. Yeah. So SOS to Elaine. She was going to help me write the male version. Right. Oh, really? What she does for women's health in oh other God. continents. But you know, but she, she is she is the way to go to sort of break I down some of the barriers. The humor and, and the yeah. But the problem is with my story, with you know, with the work that I do, um, I I don't think I'm the person to put humor in it because no, of my own experience, <laughs> and I could probably find some fun in it, but. Um, I, I find it a challenge to be funny and uh, honest. Not, you don't need to be that person because just like like I was realising the other day that in my own marriage, my husband is the um, financial guy and I'm actually the entrepreneur. Yeah. And it, it, I was the founder of my own foundation, but I'm, that means that I'm not a good CEO, I'm not a good money person because no, no. I'm an ideas person. So yeah. when you're an ideas person, that's you and you're where you're at. To help your ideas glow and flourish beyond what you can do, you need a different platform. Yeah. I think him is a wonderful thing, for example. So, you know, 27 years of marching up and down the pavement, Kathy, it gets pretty tiring. So you want to think different and that's what you're selling. You're, you're shouting it yeah. out. So I think yeah. we need we need the people to stand up. And then, you know, that only makes the researchers push harder. When you've got this groundswell of people saying, help me, help me, help me, then then it starts being heard. But it's pretty tricky when you're just one person doing that. Well, I know. That's why I joined the women's groups and that's why I brought, joined the Ranscog and all that sort of trying to get them to see the big picture. But um, but because there's no groundswell, you know, they just we just bob along as we are. But I, I don't know if I told you we're having the Red Knickers event at, at um, yeah, for the Ghana Awareness Day and are uh, we... Um, we a physiotherapist, my physio, she's given me these sashes and it's got Miss Vulva, Miss Vagina, Miss Uterus, <laughs> Miss Orgasm. And I've done it before with the CWA ladies in Donnybrook. And it is so funny. Is that here's Miss Vagina, here's Miss Vulva. Shock horror to some. But it's the women leaders that this woman leader at the CWA in Donnybrook she could see the big picture mm. and so it's the women leaders that paved the way to say hey we're going to have this you know this event and and um and but even the women leaders i've just had an article coming out in the women leader women leaders um, of australia and the ranscog um but I, I think I feel a bit disappointed in myself because I think I did it nice and fluffy because I wanted to win them over. You see, I, I wish I could sort of get more to the guts of, you know, when I, when I read out that those stories of the women, you know, I just don't know how to write the words of how, how catastrophic this is for women without being words. over the top. You're you're speaking Pardon? to you've got a big audience that potentially only you only need a couple of people to listen and take it that next step further. What you probably haven't had yeah. before is 70,000 men listening to you. 
And that's oh, what we've got here. Oh, hello, Lynn. <laughs> no, actually, it's over 100,000. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not good in the statistics. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think also th this is the thing, is getting lay people to understand that yes. lumps and bumps in your vulva aren't normal and get them checked because we all know now that testicular lumps aren't normal, get them checked. We know that breast lumps aren't normal, get them checked. So it is possible to educate people. Yeah. And when people are educated, then they will ask for help. And I think that's the way because people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, well, I right. do think there's one other problem with vulval cancer that I've looked at a lot of vulvas and I'm a midwife and a sexologist and I've spent a lot of time looking at vulvas mm -hmm. and they all look very, very different. Yeah. So it's actually quite difficult to see what is going on unless you're very familiar with it. Like you wouldn't, unless you've actually got a mirror out and looked at your own vulva and yeah. you've felt around and felt what it is, you wouldn't know what what is normal and what isn't because parts of them are lumpy and bumpy and yeah. flowery and frilly and innies and outies <laughs> and all that. You know? So I think maybe we need to just run a big education campaign for women that, hey, actually don't just worry about the cavity inside, which is your vagina. Check out yeah. your vulva and if you notice anything different, yeah. go and see someone about it and also be really strong to know that this isn't normal for you. Yeah. Because as a primary health caregiver looking at vulvas, to be honest, I have only ever sent people to be tested for vulval cancer when the patient has said to me, that's not normally there and it's new. And I would always yeah. do a biopsy and send them off. Because you're saying you wouldn't know. Because there's so many lumps and bumps and folds and frills there that everyone's different. That might be normal for them. So you are also yeah. a bit reluctant as a health professional to go, well, that doesn't look normal because that yeah. actually might be normal for them. I get that because when I said I went to two GPs and two gynecologists, I thought, well, you know, the evidence says, you know, a lump or a irrita irritation. But I know that there is some Bartholin cysts that are not necessarily cancer. And so that's where it gets a bit tricky for the, mm. for the doctors. But it's also up to us to have the education. But before we run out of time, this is part of the Red Knickers. I do workshops and things like that. But if you lift this up here, it's got the, you know, all the gynecological parts there. And you can use it discreetly and hang it on a wall or, you know, it doesn't have to be in your face. But, it, but at least it's one way of of educating and also i've devised these oh they're just you know it's a cheap way to you know just a piece of wire for anybody who wants to get out and educate uh, there's no vulva here i'm afraid but uh but and just in case you don't know this is the ovaries and this is the uterus and that's the vagina and the cervix is in there but you know it doesn't have to be an expensive way to educate in the schools but i don't understand I mean, I'm a life member of the WA Sexology Association and, and I've seen what goes on there in the education and everything else, but where is the breakdown that people are still calling a vulva a vagina? What? I don't understand it. It's with kids. Do you have grandchildren? Pardon? Do you have grandchildren? I've got six, yes, and they all know exactly what a vulva is. So that's what all the grandmas and grandpas out there need to do. They need but, to talk to their kids and call. We all need to call anatomy for children its real names and then yeah. people would know what they are. And, exactly. and this is what Melissa and I had a little um, discussion of. Initially, Melissa wanted to call our podcast The Willy Whisperers and I right. said the word penis in it because it was the most looked up internet topic, penis mm. length. 
and yeah. Lisa came around. But Willy Whispers, although it's humorous, to me didn't have the right educational punch for what we needed to have be a normal word. Just I like, agree. Yeah. And that's where the Viva La Volva, uh, you know, I often say that it's sort of, you know, Viva La Volva, it's like, hey, it's something to celebrate, not to fear. But I just wanted to show you what, what else we're having at the at our Ghani day. I was given this this paper and I thought, what are we going to do with these uh, these street signs? So uh, so we've got the uterus and the ovary and the vulva and the vagina. So, you know, there is some fun ways around that we can get around this. But I think I need to be working more with professionals who see the big picture of my work, how we can apply for funding. Because I have I had uh, the the Assistant Health Minister of Australia write to me yesterday and she's saying that, you know, she agrees and she wants to support with the Red Knickers Day. But we need to get funding and support behind that. And I'm not quite sure if, let's say, we were given funding, who wants the funding? What do we do with the funding? So that's where I'm not very clever in that department. I hate to say it, but I've never been funded for anything. And I voluntarily did my PhD in my own part time, I made it my hobby. My not-for-profit has never got funding. We've been running for 10 years. You don't actually need to have funding to be heard, and especially with social media and everything. So I see you all the time on Facebook. You're always very proactive. You're a very well-known person for what you do. Funding takes a long time, but that doesn't mean we can't, you know, still be very proactive. And Melissa and I put this Mm. podcast together because we were going to go to the ABC and then they lost their podcast booth in Western Australia, so we just did it ourselves. Yeah. So funding takes a long time. It doesn't mean that we can't still be proactive. No. So, Kath, if people want to get involved, so if there's people listening to this and they want to get involved in Red Knickers Day, where do they go and what do they do? Right. Okay. So um, you just get in touch with me at um, at kath.mazella at bigpond.com. Mm-hmm. Or um, kathmazella.com is the website. Yeah, can you just spell um, Mazella for us? Because there's a couple of ways Kath can be C and K. And just spell your name out for us, please. K A T H M A Z E L A. Thank you. And it's at bigpond.com. At bigpond.com, yes. And so if people want to get involved, they can go to that website and they'll be able to see what events are on and things. Well, yeah, uh, there's not really a whole lot of events happening. Uh, I know that Pelvic Raw had, uh, they held, uh, they promoted it last year in London. And I've got um, a few other little snippets of organisations doing it who can see the big picture. But it still needs a, you know, a lot of promotion and understanding for people why they would even celebrate the Ghana Awareness so Day. What day is Red Knickers Day? Uh, it's the 10th of September. Okay. That's known as. Gain Day as well, is it? Uh, no. Um, no. Gynecological Awareness Information. No. Gynecological Awareness Day is on the tenth of September, yes. and it, with the theme they've come up with the Seroptimus with the Red Knickers Day. Yes. So that's why we're having the theme. And King Edward Hospital are um, they're going to run with the um, pink with with the Red Knickers Day as well. So and they've celebrated the day for eight years. So <clears throat> I encourage other hospitals to come on board to do exactly the same. I reckon you need to start a movement that everyone needs to wear red knickers over the top of their pants 
on Red Knickers Day. Yeah, like Superman. Yeah, we could. I'm going to come to work. Anyone booked in to see me on the 10th of September will see me wearing red knickers over the top of my pants. I and will. They can say, why are you doing that? And we can say, to make you aware of vulval cancer. Better than that, we're going to make all the urologists we work with do the same thing. Yeah, good luck with that, Joe. <laughs> Don't make them do that. I'm not. But. <laughs> Um, um, so I think if you started something like that, it'd be a bit of fun. Imagine having people in their workplace going along wearing red knickers and it would get people talking over the top of their clothes. Well, well, I know I I, uh, I would dearly, dearly love that, but it's a matter of selling it to to your networks to sort of think, well, you know, let's let's do a movement. It would be fantastic. And would be all my dreams come true if I could see that. Well, I could very happily wear red underwear outside of my clothes at any time. Me I wear too. a lot of yoga clothes. We could definitely do that in our yoga class. Right. We'll speak it up. We'll send you a photo of us wearing red knickers on Red Knicker Day over the top of our clothes. And anyone yeah. out there who's listening to the podcast that's brave enough to do it, please email us a photo to info at thepenisproject.org and we will post it and proud of all these people celebrating looking after your vulva. Okay. How's it sound? No, it sounds fantastic. My Zumba group is doing that as well. They're going to be wearing the red Zumba. knickers. so. Fantastic. Okay, Kath, I've got one final request from you. A little earlier in the day, you dropped your your uh, red knicker packs to my physio practice yes. and you sung a little song. You did a little dance, a little ditty for me. Oh, the dynamite song. Um, okay, well, I'll do the best one. It's not really a song. It's just a chant. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. Just hold yeah, on one second. Podcast. Okay, so here we go. Ladies to the left. Ladies to the right, don't forget your gynamite. We care a lot, so spread the cheer to look after what's down here. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. So we need to put some music to that somehow or other. That is great. So thank you so much, Kath. Now I'm going to wrap this up with the takeaway message for all men and women listening to this podcast. Get your vulva checked. And if you're a guy and you have a female partner, or any partner for gender for that matter that happens to have a vulva, check it out. And if you've got any lumps or bumps that you haven't noticed before, send them to their doctor. And sing, shake it, shake it, shake it. And also, can you call it the um, the whole thing Viva La Vulva? Viva sure. La Vulva with Kath Mazella. Thank you so much, Kath. It's my pleasure. Okay, thank you so much for sharing the message. Tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast to get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me my own now it fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man